People were so far away, and th- there wasn't a lot of people, and it's like ah. Yes, so you know, like these parking lot shows. My hats off to those producers that are willing to try something new. I think know. it's great. I, I believe me, I don't put it down at all. As I said, if it was twenty years ago, I'd be all over it, exactly. and I don't, I don't want to ever disillusion a, a young comic, a comic that's starting out. Uh, my advice to them is get as much stage time as you can and do it as much as you can and enjoy as much as you can. Absolutely. Because when I started out, I did some crazy shows, you know, so I know what it's like and you just want to perform and, and it's good. It's yes. healthy. Uh, we are live. We've been live for just a minute now while he's been talking. And I mean, this guy is so good. <laughs> when do you stop him to introduce him? And how do you introduce him without taking up all the time introducing him? Listen, Aww. Comic Spot was created for this moment. Comic Spot and, is where th- this little military veteran, oh, yeah, cool. I'm gangster. I was in the army counting money. What else are you going to do if you're half Jewish? That's all that's, I did is count money for three years. And that's excellent. Thank you. And I started this so that this little veteran could vet out veterans of comedy. And today we have a veteran of comedy, screen, commercials, voiceovers. This guy's done it all. Let's get right to it. You have no idea. Wait a minute. I got to read some of these. Have you heard of Orange is the New Black? How about Mysteries of Laura? How about MSNBC? How about the New York Daily News? How about Wendy's, for God's sake? You've heard of Wendy's, the burgers? How about Gossip Girls? This guy's done it all. And the Ragu spaghetti sauce commercial that went viral back before there was such a thing as viral. You guys, come on. This is Rob Falcone. Woo! Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'll tell you, my career sounds even better when you say it. <laughs> it I was reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, he's done everything I know. <laughs> yeah, I did a few things. I've been lucky. I, I, uh, I've, had, I've worked with some incredible people. I've been lucky in that sense. I worked with Deborah worked Messing with? and well, Deborah Messing, I worked with in Mysteries of Laura, yes. and she was fabulous. I did a principal role with her, and the last movie I did was Money Monster, and my director was none other than Jodie Foster. What? And when I got onto the set and I saw her, I couldn't talk. No, we grew up I, with I her. I just stared. I just stared because I grew up with that woman. I mean, I remember her in Gunsmoke when <laughs> I was a little kid. And and we had a wonderful discussion. But be direct, to be directed by her, I really, that was like an unbelievable 
an unbelievable experience. What is she like as a director? We only know her from what she lets us see on stage. She is serious. Uh, she was wonderful. And there was one part where she grabbed me from behind both my arms and turned me and said, stay right here. Stay. And I went, I can't believe Jody's touching me. I can't <laughs> believe that she's touching me. This is this is Silence of the Lambs is touching me right now. And uh, she was she was absolutely wonderful. She was so sweet. And but she was all business, you know, but it was uh during a break that we had when they had a reset up scene, um I had a little discussion with her and she was marvelous. She was absolutely marvelous. And I took a picture of with her and uh, it's on my Facebook page and it's so funny. The person who took the picture, when you see the picture, it's a little blurry. And I can't believe it. I said, this person is in the business and they can't take a still photo. <laughs> you know, it's like the story of my life. You know, when my ship comes in with my luck, I'll be at the airport. <laughs> my very first job after getting fired from multiple restaurants was at the airport. And my mom got me a card and she said, just your congratulations on your job. Just your luck. When your ship comes in, you are going to be at the airport. <laughs> Isn't it so true? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I, I'm lucky. I worked, uh, you know, I did Blue Bloods and my scene was with uh, uh, Bridget Moynihan, which is, she was absolutely stunning. Wow. And um uh, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, uh, it, it's been a nice little ride. Yeah. What are some other things that you're so glad you got to do and people you got to meet? Um, well, when I did The Sopranos, I, I had, I was introduced in The Sopranos in the final episode of the sixth season to come back for the seventh season. So I had a very, very small little part but the director pulled me over and he said, after we shot the scene, he said, don't worry, Rob, you're just being introduced here. You're going to be back in season seven because you're AJ's boss. And of course, the writers changed everything around and I was never come back. But to have that experience because I was able to meet the whole cast because I did a, I had to do a, a reading with them uh, the, a couple of days before where I met all of them and they were so nice. I mean, they were all so nice. Gandolfini was ab absolutely marvelous. And Edie Falco was such a sweetheart. And it, it, it was just a, a fantastic experience, yeah. What's it like to be a bona fide comedian and come into major shows as, and, and they know you're a comedian do they take you seriously or do you have a hump to get over with that? You mean when I do the acting? Mm -hmm. Well, believe it or not, when I'm an actor, mm -hmm. I'm an actor. So they don't even know that I'm a stand-up comic unless I tell them. Super. That's a smart yeah. thing. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and once they do, they're, they're very impressed and they, they want me to make them laugh, of course, and such. But... Um, yeah, when when I started out as an actor first, I started out as an actor on Off Broadway in Tony and Tina's Wedding, which wow. is a great venue for someone who has never done anything before to start out in because it's a lot of improv and it's really a great way to get your feet wet. 
you know, so, but it's the, the, the day right after I did my first Tony and Tina's, which I started out as an understudy and I did matinees in the beginning. And I did the first one on a Saturday. That following Monday, I was at an open mic. That's the way I wanted to, you know, it like when I, when I got my feet wet is in the acting, it was kind of like a, a, a rock that came off of my shoulders and it freed me. And I said, I know what I want to do and I know what I'm going to do. And, and I went the following Monday right to an open mic to start doing stand-up. Where did you go for your first open mic? My first open mic was from an absolutely wonderful woman who's called Gladys Simon. Yay! We have Gladys in common. Gladys is the reason why I'm here. Me too. Yeah. Did you know she, that about me? No, I didn't. Uh, but I have a that you I'm might a... know about Gladys. <laughs> Gladys was was an amazing, and she still is an amazing woman. She guided me. She saw something in me. She took me under her wing. At the time, there was also her partner. At the time, was Arthur, author of New York. And between the both of them, they gave me stage time. I brought people to shows, and I I developed an act. But she's fantastic, yeah. She and is. from there I moved on to, I always stayed with, with Gladys. And then when I started wanting to do more things, because Gladys was was more or less in the open mics and, and she would do some shows that I she put me in. But she knew as well as I did that I needed to branch out now and I needed to grow. And I moved over to New York Comedy Club, uh, a gentleman called Al Martin. I love Al Martin. Al Martin gave me so much stage time. He, Al Martin will give a comic what he needs to do, and that is to develop form. And um, that was, and then there was no looking back. Yeah, that was, that was it. But between, between Gladys and Al Martin, that's what really gave me the, the ability Become who I am. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love Gladys. I was posting jokes on Facebook and I got like 200,000 likes. And she and some people at Comic Strip wanted me to come out and meet them. And so I took the train across the country and I, I did comedy shows on the train for three days. Oh, that's Just hysterical. It's really good to do them in the differently abled section because they can't get out of there. <laughs> oh, that's great. And right, so, a, captive, a real meaning of a captive audience. And I was filming it and everything. And then I got in front of Gladys and oh my gosh, you know, to be in front of a legend like that who's helped so many, you know. Oh my God, she she is amazing. She really I is. St I still count on her opinion. That's She's the one that told me to get away with, get rid of, the gray hair and go blonde she's giving you look me... stunning by the way thank you it's because of Gladys. absolutely look stunning it's because of gladys well if you were in new york i'd ask you out oh darn i'm coming in december we'll have to do that oh <laughs> yes it's a beautiful time too i'll meet you in front of the tree okay <laughs> i hope it's safe to come you know this world well, is we, crazy you know what we make our own safety we'll make we'll it'll be okay yeah, we'll do that. It'll be okay. And when you're with <laughs> me, you're totally protected. I'm Sicilian. 
We have it in our blood. So what have you been doing during the pandemic just to cope going back? I'm telling you the truth. I have not performed since March 7th. And every day feels like Groundhog Day. Exactly. I get up and it's a repeat of the day before. I try to uh, keep myself busy. I do my walk every day. I, I get in my car. I go for a drive to the beach. I try to do things. Luckily, in my neighborhood where I live, there's a lot of homes and streets are very quiet. So I could take a walk and not even see anybody, which is good. Yes. But it has been, it's been rough. I mean, to not perform is, uh, I mean, it has been a long time now. Yes. And, and I, you know, and I've been writing, I've been writing for the past four months and I'm dying to get this material out. And then I look back on some of the material that I wrote in April and I go, nah, it's old already. And I haven't even done it, <laughs> you know? But uh, I try to keep myself busy, yeah. So who and are now, you? Who are sorry. you off? Who are you off screen? Like, I know you have a bit about the dollar store, you know. But like, what things do you do? You have a whole set about the dollar store. What yeah. things do you do in the course of your week when you're not Mr. Funny, when you're not Mr. Actor, when you're just out and about? that people don't know? Like, do you um, yell at birds? Do you chase ducks? What? what I'm a regular the- person. I, I'm a pretty regular. I'll tell you the truth. Um, and I'm sure this is very common. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very shy person. I'm a very introverted person. Uh, off, off camera and uh, off stage. Uh, I'm not a real sociable type person. I'm not the life of the party. You know, I'm um, I, I can't even ask a girl out on a date unless I'm on stage. I'm so shy. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's where I'm at home and, but I'm a regular person. I'll play golf when it's uh, when there's an opportunity to, I'll get together with some friends. Uh, most of my friends though are married and they have families. And so their lives are pretty complicated, but, um, How's your golf game? Uh, now it's, I don't know, because the golf courses were closed. Uh, I'm hoping to get out there and, and uh, try to hit them straight. But uh, it's a lovely preoccupation. And I also, uh, I'm going to go out next week and do a little fishing with a friend of mine. Uh, I'll do anything to keep busy, you know, to... Just jumping in the car and taking a ride is nice, you know. This is a good old guy. You're just a yeah, I'm regular. I like cooking. I love eating. What do you like to cook? Oh, anything. Yeah, I was brought up cooking, so you know, besides Italian food, anything. I had a favorite thing to cook. My favorite. Oh, there's a dish. I, I. I like cooking stews. I like cooking pasta and tomato sauce, of course. Linguine and clam sauce, people rave about that I make. And uh, some special Sicilian dishes that you really can't get in a restaurant. Wow. Um, and of course, regular stuff, too. I, you know, I make an incredible breakfast. 
love breakfast. You know, I love eggs, bacon. breakfast any time of day. Breakfast. Oh, isn't it the best? Oh yeah, I could have pancakes in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, I don't care either. I will eat chicken and eggs, and yeah. I'll eat every type of yeah. egg, bacon, any time of day. I don't care cholesterol, whatever. It just oh please. You know the one thing when you watch the cooking shows. They cook and it's like things like cholesterol and heart condition don't even come into play with the with the kind of ingredients that they use, you know, and it just makes you hungry just just looking at it. Yeah. But I love to cook anything, ribs, sauce, whatever it is. I love cook. I had a friend of mine stay with me for three months when uh, this all took place. She had no place to really stay. And uh, she stayed here with me. And she loved the cooking. She loved the fact that I cooked, you know. And uh, and I love cooking for someone, you know. Cooking for myself is okay, but there's nothing better than cooking for people and having them enjoy what you make. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me, none of us got a manual on how to raise children, let alone how to make it through a pandemic. And we don't know how much longer the pandemics and you're in the, you're in the thick of things out there on the East coast. Well, so actually, from, the pandemic? well, from what I'm hearing, we're doing okay compared to what California is going through right now. Yes. I mean, we have it under control, it seems, but I mean, I don't go in, I'm out, I'm, in one of the boroughs, I'm not in Manhattan, but I've gone into Manhattan and I'll tell you the truth, it's a little depressing. Uh, it, it's, it's like the lion's den. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'll go back in when I need to, but, and I love Manhattan and I love all the, the, the sites. And, but right now is not the time. And like you say, there is no manual. I take it day to day. I, uh, you know, I, I, I have no problems wearing a mask when it's necessary. Um, I really wasn't a very, like I say, when I'm not performing, I'm not a very sociable person to begin with. So to be socially distant is the norm for me. You know, I, I like going to places that are quiet, that are, that are desolate, that are secluded that have, uh, you know, don't have the big crowds or whatever. And uh, so I take it, I, I, my game plan is to take it day to day. Yeah. That's lovely. So- How are you guys doing out there though? In Vegas, oh my goodness sakes, it's crazy. Cause I got here in December. Okay. And then in March, they shut down all the sin and didn't yeah. see sin for me, you know? And like that's I, horrible. It's, yeah, it's really rough on a girl, and you know I can't slip and fall anymore on hooker trading cards on the cement, and I'm just having a hard time, you know, coping with how Vegas has no sin. It's like a big joke. Like, it's amazing. How, how can you have a sin city with no sin? I know, I know. And then they're going to take away and say we're not essential, you know, like. This is like this whole city city is built on entertainment and no entertainment, no sin. What the heck? It's a desert I now. I know. I can't believe how it must be like. Yeah. You go for a walk. You're taking your life in your hands because 
tourists are starting to come back, but it's the tourists that keep you safe from the tweakers. Yeah. And the yeah. tweakers have taken over, you know. Well, that's what's happened in Manhattan. A lot of homeless have taken over and, you know, it's uh, it, the crazies are coming out. It's like, yeah. 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 So, uh, I don't know, good for material, but kind of, kind of sad. And, yeah. you know, like, it, that's the reason I started I've entertained, you know, like I not entertained, interviewed comedians in Portland at Harvey's Comedy Club. Uh huh. But when the shutdown happened, I was so darn depressed, Rob, that. Oh, you know, I could imagine. I wanted to be like Gladys Kravitz and come on here, like, and go, How are you? How are you? And check in on people. That was the original intent. And then people just started telling me how I cheered them up. So, Really, I'm just doing this to cheer up people and have. You don't know how much I've been looking forward to this uh, this Zoom thing because this is beautiful. I love doing something like this. I love it. it Thank you. You know, when you're cooped up inside all the time, and I mean, other than some friends that I talk to and some comics, and we all have a very optimistic outlook. You know, oh yeah, you know it's going to turn around and and hope. I had a booking agent that just emailed me saying that I should set up this account with my bank so when things do get back to normal, we could get the checks faster. And I said to him, I love your optimism, but, you know, I don't see it happening so quickly. No. You know, I, I, I have, believe it or not, I, you know, sometimes when you accept what is it's easier to deal with it. Amen. And I've kind of accepted that 2020 is a wash. Absolutely. That I'm not going to be looking at September. I have some shows that were that I was originally in in March and April that they rescheduled in October. But I'm not 100% sure because they're in theaters. And I'm not 100% sure that they're still going to fly in October. I mean, I have them on the books, but I don't know. So if they do, if they do get canceled, I'm already accepting that. That 2020 is so unpredictable. I was thinking that maybe, just maybe, because the one show that we always, comics call it's a money gig, and that's New Year's. And I'm hoping that maybe we'll do a New Year's show this year. But other than that, I take it day by day. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this goes a whole nother year on top of what we've been through. Well, I, I, you know, I think in a sense, you know, I look at it two different ways. You hear, you hear so many conflicting reports on what this virus is doing. There are reports that we're, we're, we're taking it to too extreme, that we should be lightening up a little bit and we should allow this and we should allow that. But then you hear the other reports that because people have lightened up, that situations have gotten worse in certain places. Yes. So as far as we're concerned, it's out of our hands. The government is the one that's controlling it. The mayors, the governors, <clears throat> they're the ones that are telling us what we can and cannot do. That's right. No matter what we feel, listen, I I feel like I could perform 
tonight. It's Friday night. I want to go to a club. I don't care if there's only 30 people in a 200 seat room. 30 people scattered around so they're not up close. You know, in comedy, audience doesn't like to sit up front anyway because they're afraid they're going to be picked on. That's true. So have, if, if I could perform to 30 people in a 200 seat arena, I'd be happy. I would absolutely love it. I'm on stage. I'm far enough away from the audience. I don't see a problem. I don't either. But they're giving us, but they're saying no. Yes. You know, they're saying we can't do it yet. So I, for one, think that certain things can be eased up a little bit when it comes to, you know, I, I don't see the difference when they're allowing outdoor dining. And what is happening is in the outdoor dining, people are pretty close, even though they might be six foot away. There's a lot of people that are getting close. What aftermath is going to be from that is beyond me. But I find that if you're in a theater and you're spaced out accordingly and the comic is all the way on stage, that's safer than the dining situation, than the bars. Than the, I yep. think we are safer in a condition like that. But they're saying, no, they have to have air conditioners that recycle the air properly. And it's like, come on, I, I, I don't. Oh, it's out of our hands. It's out it was of our up hands. to me. I'd say let's 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 get comedy going a little bit. You know. Me too. How do yeah. you stay with all that you've accomplished, all the shows and movies, and all the theaters you've been in, all the comedy you've done, all the voiceovers, all the commercial ads? How do you stay humble? So humble. I wear a cape. <laughs> um, how, how do you stay so humble well it's it comes i guess it just comes naturally i i'm not a verbose type of a person of course you have to be a narcissist to be in this business uh you have to be a narcissist to be good but um hum, being humble is something i think to me is a better uh, approach, a better, um, a better look than to not be and to be verbose and a braggart or a, you know, uh, I, I never cared for that type. So I'm lucky in a sense that, you know, but inside, I mean, I might be a very humble person outside and, but inside I'm going nuts. <laughs> and I'm going crazy. And inside the voice says, enough about me. What did you think of my set? You know, <laughs> but uh, outside, I just very gracious and thank you. And I consider myself very lucky. I mean, I have not in any way been as successful as some of my peers. Uh, I have not uh, been able to um, on a consistent basis, uh, tour the country the way some comics are able to be, you know, but I do consider myself very lucky in what I'm doing and the breaks that I got in the acting. Um, 
I got some bad breaks, but you get those. It's and um, it's show business. Yes. I came very close a couple of times of being big, of getting the the big the big role, the, the one that's going to put you on the map, the one that's going to you know make you a household name. But I mean, we all have stories like that. You can't be bitter about it. You have to let it very hard business to take so personally. Yes. You know, you, you have to, in order to, in order to exist, in order to be able to go on, you have to take the rejection as not personal. You know, it's, that's the way it is. But uh, I think it's better to be humble and to be, you know, a big shot. Oh, I, I, I listen, I, I don't know. I'd rather have other people tell me what I've done than me tell them. Yeah, it's like when people say I killed, I was like, are other people saying that or is this just Exactly, you? exactly. You know, it's it's funny because the comics that know me and the club owners that know me and such, I have a, they laugh because when they say to me, hey, Rob, how was that show last week that you did? My immediate response is always, they had the best hamburgers you ever had in your life. <laughs> or the food was incredible. And they always say, when I ask you about a show, you talk about what they served you. You talk about the food. You, you, I never say I killed. I Oh, I will say it was a magnificent show. I'll say, oh, my God, the audience was fantastic. But I can't say, I mean, I in, a, in, a, in a closed room, with another comedian member, I'd say, oh man, I destroyed, it was, but I say, they were great. The audience was what allowed me to do it. You know, That's I'm right. only as good as the audience. If the audience is a great audience, then I'm gonna destroy. And I'm there. if they're gonna like me, then I have what it takes to blow the roof off. But I can't say, oh, I, I destroyed, I killed. You know, I no, no, me neither. Mostly because I haven't. <laughs> well, you will. <laughs> like, you will. I'm getting to the point where in the last six months, I don't even have to. I had brain trauma, so for five and a half years, Gladys was put the notes down. Don't take notes on the stage. But I have a brain oh, injury. No, no. See, that's what. Do you know? I'll tell you how it happened with me when I started out. I, I, I said, I don't know how I'm going to remember three minutes. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I mean, let alone five minutes. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I was doing pre-shows. Of course, you, you move on to doing pre-shows. And this was one at Stand Up New York. Mm -hmm. And I would write, I would be at the bar, and I'd write my, my bits on a napkin. And I'd bring it up with a drink, and I'd put the napkin down on the stool. And so I glanced over, and I'm only doing five minutes. But I, I said, how am I going to memorize it? And one time, I'm waiting to go on, writing my notes on the napkin at the bar. Mm -hmm. The uh, manager turns to me and says, Rob, you're next. And I went, oh, okay. And I turned back, and I didn't realize that the napkin got wet. And all of the, the it bled so and he goes come on rob you gotta 
and I had no more time wow. to write it again. So I was forced to go on stage without notes. And you know what happened? You killed. Remembered everything. Because see what the brain does is this, the brain says, oh, he or she's writing it down. Ha, we're off, they don't need us. But as soon as you stop writing it down, your brain says, hey, I gotta remember this. But if you're using that writing down and a piece of, if you go up with a piece of paper all the time, you will never memorize it because your brain says, we don't need to. That's true. Yes, you have to uh, uh, get rid of that paper. Yes. Now yeah. it's okay. It's okay at an open mic when you're going up and you're trying out new stuff and you wanna maybe you know bring something try ever so hard to not because what will happen is your mind will register the material will become embedded in you and i think is the most incredible experience on stage when you write on when you what when you write on stage when you're performing and something pops in your head, or you catch something in the audience, you're not so restricted. What, oh, I have to do this next, I have to do that next. You have a game plan and you know what you have to do, but the greatest achievement in the world is when you do something off the cuff, automatically on stage, because you just thought of it. And those things that, those things have only opened up for me in the last six months because of Gladys believing in me. I, I, I was told in, you she's she's incredible. She is. I, she is where, why? She's why I am where I am because of her teachings, because of her knowledge, because of what she told me. You know why? Glad, Gladys is responsible for telling me what not to do. Yes. That's what was great. What, what things has she told you not to do? What are some of the things? Just what she was telling you, don't go up with the paper. Um, the, I remember she would tell me in the beginning to write about things you know and to try to make the bits, like sew them together, which is an easy thing for you for memory. In other words, and I do this, the end of one bit, there's something in it that sparks my sense memory to the next one. It's like it flows to get a flow. Now, that also is depending on what type of a comedian you are. I'm a monologist. I try to sew things together. So it's a story that I'm telling. There are one-liner comedians that do it differently. There are political comics that, but I find from memory, it's great to have things in your bits that will help you remember the next bit that you're going to say, and then the next one. And that will automatically start to become very natural to you. And you're, what Gladys would say is, you're finding, you're finding out who you are. You're, you're finding your, your voice. 
And that's what you want to do. How long are you doing it? This is my sixth year. Okay. But five and a half years with a brain injury, you know, the, the last six months is when I've been funny, not before. Uh, but you know why? Because you're finding your voice. You're finding who you are. There is no time element. There's no deadline. There's nobody that says you have to do it by this point or else. You want to do it because you love it, because you enjoy it. And you take every opportunity to perform. Now is the craziest and toughest time in the world. You are right now no different than the professionals. We have no stage time. We don't do anything. I was walking down the street and I saw a bunch of birds on the lawn. And as I walked by, I noticed they turned to look at me. And I immediately said, listen, while I got here, and I started going into my material and I got nothing. <laughs> and did you know that as I started walking away, one bird looked at me and went, it's your material. <laughs> so that's what happened. But you, you just keep loving it because when you love something, you will work hard make it work. Yes. I'll and, find a way to keep doing it. And you're finding your voice. And this is all going to pass. This this pandemic thing, This you can't stop comedians. You can't stop entertainment. It's going to come back. And you're going to be in there. And we're all one in of, this. One of my proudest moments, proudest of Gladys, her voice was in my head. I signed up for Portland's funniest back home. And I had in five minutes, Rob, I had 22 predictable punchlines. And I had worked for months, 30 times a day, trying to get those in my head, right? Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Got, and I had that, that day, my cognition was out the window, not because of nerves, because I was so exhausted from trying to memorize this material. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to get up there and it'll all come back to me. And I got on stage. Nothing came to my mind. But you know what came in my head? Gladys's voice telling me, don't worry about what you say. Just go out there and be funny. Be yourself. Something yes. will come. And well, not only that, you know what's funny? If you're ever in that situation and you're on stage, tell the people. Tell you know what? I don't know what I'm going to say. I am <laughs> blank. I started out knowing everything, but as soon as I hit the stage, I don't know what I'm going to say now. And they will be on your side. Honesty is beautiful. And you will write on stage. Be wow. yourself. Be yourself because if you're funny, just you being yourself, the audience will pick up on. They will pick up. The audience picks up on everything. They sense it. They sense fear. They sense uh, verboseness. They don't like that. They don't. If they sense fear, they 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 sense it because the material is not coming out naturally. I mean, I say some of my bits are over fifteen years old, wow. but the audience hears it like it just happened yesterday. That's the flow that you want. That's the natural comfort 
that you acquire on stage. Don't be afraid to go off the book. Don't be don't be rigid where you have to you you memorize your act. You have it because that's your that's your security blanket. That's that's what's going to give you the ability to be free to have freedom on stage, knowing that you know your act. Memorize. Do it in front of the mirror. Do it again. Tape it. Listen to it. When you want something bad enough, I was worse in school, in English and in history. I never memorized anything. When I started doing comedy, I said, oh, my God, how am I ever going to memorize three minutes, five minutes? I, I, it was such a fear because I knew I was not, never capable of doing that in school. And then I realized something. It wasn't that I wasn't capable of doing it. Just that I had no interest in it. And when you have no interest in the things that you're forced to learn, it's so hard to learn. But when you love something so badly, you're not forced to memorize it. You want to. Yes. It comes natural for you to memorize. And you make yourself memorize it. You go, oh, my God. I mean, now I do like an hour and 10 minutes on stage with ease. It took time, but it happens because you want it bad enough. When you want something bad enough, you'll do anything to get to that point. Wow. And your brain will operate at that caliber. Wow. That's so encouraging. You will. You will. I love that. You're amazing to talk to. Thank you so much for coming on. How can we show you support? Where do you want people to follow you? Do you have merchandise you sell? What do you want? No, I don't sell any merchandise. I usually, uh, after the show, I sell kisses, to, but <laughs> that's that's now I can't do that. Kisses and hugs. <laughs> but um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, any social media, as I say, use me. Put this out there. Uh, it could only enhance my career. Uh, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, don't take me. Oh, don't. Just enjoy. And I'm so happy to spend this time with you. And if you ever want to do it again. Yes. Sure as heck can. And when yes, you get I to do. New York, I'm going to be very upset if you if I don't meet you and take you out for a, for a drink or whatever, a cup of coffee. Maybe we'll Let's even do that. Maybe we'll hook up over at Gladys's, over at Comic Strip. <gasps> that would be so incredible. Well, that would be great. fantastic because this is a lady that I consider, you know, she's my best buddy. And uh, and I, I, we don't see each other as much anymore, but uh, she never forgets my birthday and I never forget hers. And, and I've always told her so many times, unfortunately, when Bob passed away last year and such, that I just want to let her know that I'm there. Whatever she needs, whatever she, I'm there for her. Yeah. Because I'll never forget what she did for me. And uh, that goes without saying. Absolutely. So that would be a fun place for you and I to meet with her. Uh, oh, yes. Let's do yes. it. Yes. I love the comedy. By then, strip. you're going to be real good, and I'm going to watch you on stage. Thank you. Oh, awesome. My <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll take off for now, but I want you back on here, too. Anytime, hon. Anytime. Back. We'd love to. 
Okay, I'm I'm hoping that New York opens up because Al Martin said I can come to the Christmas party at Broadway. Well, that's one heck of a great party. I can't wait. Yes, that'll be a, that'll be our first meeting, hopefully. Cool. Thank you. Okay. See you later. Bye, Rob Falcon. Yeah, bye. bye. Stay well, Linda. Stay you well. Too. Everybody's talking.